Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We're taking some time to discover who we are as a church. What does God have in store for Encounter Church? Where are we headed? And, and quite honestly, how are we going to get there? I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message. Last week was the foundation of everything we're building upon. So if you weren't here last week, you didn't catch it online yet, go back and listen. We discovered last week that our mission as a church is to love, reach, and empower. To love God and love people. After all, that's what this is all about. The Bible tells us the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also love your neighbor as yourself. It's vitally important that both of those occur. So we love, love God, love people. We reach in, we reach up, and we reach out. We make the connection with God. That's the best connection we can ever make. If we fail to make the connection with God, then we're missing the point. We've missed the connection of what life is all about. Then we reach in, we make the changes on the inside, and that allows us to reach out to those outside of our walls and empower, empower others to become disciples. The Bible instructs us that we are to not only share the good news with everyone, but to raise up disciples, to raise up followers of Christ. That's what Encounter Church is all about. We are here to love people, to love God, to reach and to empower, to do what God has called us to do. But today, I want to begin to look at our core values. We have six core values, and if you've been in the lobby recently, we have added those to our walls right around the couches in the back. There's a a sign, a 20 by 20 sign that have our core values listed on them. But over the next six weeks, we're going to take some time to really dissect what those core values are. You see, in February of this year, I shared with you last week that that God began to deal with our hearts as leadership. He began to share with us that we needed to make a few adjustments to what we are doing and how we are going about doing it. You see, before, our core values were just simple words with bullet points. They were on a page. They looked really good, but they really didn't have any forward drive. So we began to reevaluate What are our core values? What are the non-negotiables that we hold on to as a church? And we realized there had to be forward focus for each one. So that's what we've established. So over the next several weeks, six weeks in fact, I'm going to take some time to help each and every one of us to not only understand them, but to personalize what that core value really is and how it applies to our life. Look at our first core value. This is the one that we're going to talk about today. We value prayer, not mere chatter. We value prayer, not mere chatter. Prayer is the foundation of all that we do as a church. In fact, I've titled this morning's message, Talk is Cheap. Anybody agree with me in the house today or online today that talk is cheap? I can throw a lot of promises out there. I can can talk about a lot of things. But if there's no follow-through, if there's no heart, if I'm not truly loving in and through it, 
It's cheap. There's really no purpose. But prayer, prayer is the foundation of all that we do as a church. I'll clarify in a few moments what's meant by the latter portion of this core value. But look at our text for this morning. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Again, righteousness. That scares some of you in the house today because you hear the word righteous and you think in your mind, I can never measure up. I can never achieve righteousness. I'm not good enough. I don't do enough good things. In fact, I do more bad things than I really should. I, I, I can't be a righteous person. Let me remind you, our righteousness is not built upon ourselves. Our righteousness is not built upon how much good I can do or how many places I volunteer or how many right things I establish in my life. Our righteousness is founded in the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. So therefore, as I give my life to Christ, as I surrender to him, suddenly I'm moved into a new realm because I'm seen through the eyes of what Jesus has done. And the Bible says that now my prayer as a righteous person is powerful and effective. So why is it that we value prayer as a church? Why not just do church? Why not just have a worship team that does a great job, have some kids' ministry upstairs, have preaching, have some time in the lobby, maybe some coffee or whatever? Why not just have a, a place to hang out on a Sunday? Because there's so much more than just doing We've got to be the church. And the foundation of that is prayer. It was Jesus himself in Isaiah, a reference in Isaiah 56 when he said this, my house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. Jesus referencing Isaiah 56 said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer. Now, Jesus saw the importance of prayer and therefore determined that we, the church, or we, more specifically, individually, as a Christian, must be a people of prayer. Secondly, prayer is the foundation of what makes the church successful in its mission. You see, without prayer, it's really difficult to love people. Okay, I'm just checking. Thought maybe some of you were more righteous than I. No, without prayer, it's hard to love people. Without prayer, it's hard to have a desire to reach out. Without prayer, it's difficult to, to move forward, to uh, empower somebody, to equip somebody, to raise up a disciple because that takes effort. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes in life, I don't want to give effort. Sometimes I want to go to that seat in the basement of the house and sit on the couch and flip that little lever on the side of the couch where my feet go, whoop. I don't want to do anything. But when we begin to seek the face of God, when we begin to call upon God, suddenly our whole mindset 
begins to shift. Suddenly, we're able to love where once before we couldn't love. Suddenly, we have a desire to reach out where once before I don't really want to reach out. Suddenly, I have an ambition and a passion and a drive to raise up disciples. You see, prayer is the foundation that helps us as a church, individually as the church, to accomplish, successfully accomplish the task or the mission that God has set before us. We can have the best youth program around town. We can have outstanding children's ministry. We can have dynamic music, dynamic worship. We can have a solid message, but if we fail to have prayer if we do not have prayer guess what my friend we have nothing without prayer we're just going through the motions without prayer we're just spinning our wheels without prayer we're just doing stuff and we fail to allow it to take root inside of us we believe in prayer in fact that's why our wednesday night service is focused around worship and prayer we spend time just in the presence of god if you haven't come in if you haven't checked out the wednesday service let me just encourage you be a part be a part of what god is doing in those services his presence is alive his presence is real we simply must press in for what God has in store. I've discovered this. The core of anything worthwhile in the church is founded in prayer. The core, at our core, of anything worthwhile is founded in prayer. Because when we pray, when I pray, when, when you pray, there's a life change process that begins. Did you know that? When you begin to pray, something changes on the inside of you. And suddenly, as that change is taking place inside of you, it then translates to the outside. It begins to change the environment of what's happening around you. There's power in prayer. The prayer of a righteous person, our text says, is powerful and what? Effective. It brings about great change. Before we can ever see change on the outside, we must create and see the change occur on the inside. And the only way that this is possible, listen carefully, the only way that any of this change is possible is through prayer. I remember years ago, in, early in ministry, there was a guy that we kind of butted heads a little bit. Anybody else have people in life that every once in a while you butt heads with? I'm so glad you responded there. Whew. Yeah, so we were just butting heads, and I'm like, okay, God, you got to do something here. Something's got to happen. And I was just at my wit's end, and God said, pray for him. So I was like, all right, God, get him. God, pour out your spirit upon God. Just smack him upside the head. And God's like, that's not what I meant. But that's the kind of prayer we want to pray. That's the selfish prayer. 
sorry, I'll step back here. You're really close, and I can like <laughs> spew upon you. This is like the, anybody remember Gallagher? I'm speaking to a generation that remembers, this is the Gallagher section right here. You are so blessed right here. This is a great section. Let, let me get back on task. So, so I begin to pray sincerely, God, would you just do a work? But I don't know what the struggle is. God, I don't know why there's a conflict. God, I don't know what's causing all of this. But Lord, I pray that you'll begin to do a work. And I, I begin to see a change in him, but also a change in me. And God began to restore some things. Now I see that guy around, and man, we got, we got a good relationship, good friends. We're even close friends on Facebook. I know! And I, I still follow him. It's not like we're friends, but I unfollowed him. Come on. Some of you are like, you can do that? Yeah! You just right-click, and then... No, but we're not only Facebook friends, but I, I, I still watch his stuff pile up. He's a great, wonderful guy. But it all changed. There was a change when I began to pray for him. And here's what I've discovered. Your spiritual defeats and spiritual victories are in direct proportion to your prayer life. If you want to see yourself victorious in the spiritual walk, if you want to see yourself triumph over the struggles of life, you need to begin to pray. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. Let me say that again. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It brings about a, a resolution. It brings about a, a victory on the other side. And it's not, again, it's not because of who we are, but it's because of who he is and who he's connected with, and he's the one with the answers. I would challenge you, begin to be a man or a woman of prayer. As a church, we don't just want to talk about prayer. We don't simply want to experience mere chatter. We need to be a people of prayer. And it amazes me that, that one of the most prominent teachings in the Bible is prayer. Why? Because God wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you more, but he also wants to, you to know him more. Let me say that again. You see, prayer is, is our connection with the Father. Let me say it this way. When Angie and I first met, we were young whippersnappers. Uh, cell phones weren't invented yet. Some of the kids are like, what? I had a beeper. Actually, I didn't get the beeper until she was expecting Chandler. I mean, I was cool. I was walking around, and we had secret codes. She would like send me a, a message and I knew if it was such, such and such code that I need to call her instantly because she's going into labor or if it was just like a little cute code, it was call me because I miss you, you know, that kind of thing. So I had, had the pager, but, but when we were dating, none of that existed. So our form of communication were emails. I would just be flooded all day long. We'd be communicating back with emails and let me be honest, she's not in here right now, but hers were a lot more extensive than mine. I mean, she'd have all these heartfelt emails go out, and mine's like, cool. 
But we had to have that form of communication. You see, if, when we're together, if we never talked, what would happen to our relationship? We wouldn't grow, would we? Because she would have never learned about me, and I would have never learned about her, and we probably wouldn't have made that connection, and we wouldn't be married today. But there had to be moments, there had to be times of getting together, getting to know one another, spending time with one another. That's what God wants from us. He wants to have that communication. He wants you to share your heart. He wants to, you to listen to receive what he has to say to you. Some people say, well, pastor, I really don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Then you know how to pray. See, there doesn't need to be some fancy verbiage. You don't have to look up some exquisite prayer with, with huge words, multi-syllable words. No, he just wants to hear your heart. Lord, thanks. Thanks for today. Or God, man, I'm really frustrated right now with life. Lord, I, I need you more right now than I ever have before. Just to be open and honest with God. That's what he wants. See, that's the relationship that he wants with us. Not a, a righteous, religious, or self-righteous relationship where you have to have everything scripted out. No, he just wants to know your hearts. He wants to know what's stirring deep on the inside of you. The problem is, as people, prayer is not always the most important part of our lives. Again, it's one of the most prominent teachings in the Bible. In fact, the disciples looked to Jesus one day and they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? They could have said, Lord, would you teach us how to do miracles? Lord, would you teach me how to do that fish thing? You know, where you multiply those few fish and like there are 12 baskets left over. God, I want to do that. Lord, would you teach me how to raise the dead? Because when Lazarus hopped out of that tomb, dude, that was awesome. But what did they say? Lord, teach me to pray. Why? Because they understood that prayer was the foundation that made everything else happen. Without prayer, without that connection, nothing else would have worked. One study that I found mentioned that Americans enjoy about five hours and 16 minutes of leisure on a daily basis. But we only spend about eight minutes a day in prayer. And we wonder why our nation is in the mess that it's in. Five hours and 16 minutes. Now, some of you have the new, one of the new iPhones, and it records how much time you're on the screen. And can I be honest with you? There are days that I'm like, uh-uh. No way. I wasn't on the screen that many hours in a day. But look at this. Five hours and 16 minutes of leisure, yet we spend eight minutes a day in prayer. That's average. And I would venture to say that there are some 
that are numerous minutes and even hours of prayer, which means that there are others, there's no prayer in order to get to eight minutes as an average. God dares us throughout his words. He dares us to ask for big requests. He dares us to be people of prayer. In James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, you have not because you ask not. You don't receive that. You didn't get that because you didn't ask for it. Jeremiah 33, he says, call on, on me and I will answer you. I will show you the great and mighty things that you do not know. Call on me. How do you call on him? You spend time in prayer. Call on me, he says, and I will answer you. Over 20 times in the New Testament, we're commanded to ask. Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more then we may ask or think. We must, not only as a church, but as a people, be a people of prayer. Now, before I dive too much more into the idea and the importance of prayer, let's take a look at the last portion of this core value. Now, remember, we value prayer, not mere chatter. What do I mean by mere chatter? Well, the word chatter is defined as this, to talk for a long time about things that are not important. To talk a long time about things that are not important. Now this could include, but not limited to, gossip, divisive words, trouble, evil, Simply empty words, you know, speech without follow-through. We're reminded that Proverbs 18 tells us that the tongue contains both the power of life and of death. And as a church, as a people of God, we must take captive our tongue. Now, if you remember, back to the word, or the book of James, when he's talking about the tongue, he said, if we could just learn to take captive our tongue, if we could just learn to take rule over our tongue, we are on our road to maturity in Christ. We value prayer, not mere chatter. We must refuse to allow the words that come out of our mouth to be purposeless, meaningless chatter but we must move toward a life of purpose, a life of prayer. Now, I don't think that I need to spend a lot of time this morning sharing with you scriptures of, of why we shouldn't gossip. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time sharing with you how the Word of God tells us that we shouldn't allow our words to be used to divide or to cause trouble or to stir up evil, suffice it to say, God is pretty clear that as a Christian, we must do all that we can to avoid mere chatter. Amen? Over and over and over again, we are told to allow the words that come out of our mouth to be used 
for good and not for evil. It's time to change the course of our tongue. It's time to allow the words that flow out of our life and out of our mouth to be words of hope, to words of, words of encouragement, words of life. Don't allow the enemy, don't allow Satan to use your words to become mere chatter to destroy that which God has set before you. Now notice, this morning we're talking about a prayer life. Prayer life. We're not talking about we value short, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Lord bless the grub. I'm talking about a, a prayer life. We are to be called a people of prayer. Jesus himself, remember, said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Guess what? You're his house. Have you ever thought about that? The Bible says that we are the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you've given your life to Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are his house. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Individually and corporately, we are the church. We are the house. We are the home. We are the residence of the living God. We are to be a people of prayer. But one thing I've discovered is this. Prayer takes faith. Have you noticed that? Prayer takes faith. The good news is the Bible says that all we need is the prayer, faith of mustard seed. The faith of a little mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? They're teeny, teeny, tiny. You just need a little bit of faith. But here's the deal. As you have that little bit of faith, that little bit of faith begins to grow and gets larger and larger and larger the more that you invest that, the more that you cultivate that, the more that you pour into that life of faith, it begins to get larger and larger. In fact, the Bible says this about faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. God, I believe right now that you are able to do this. God, I can't see it with my physical eyes right now. God, I can't comprehend it in my mind. But the good news is your word tells me that you can do far beyond whatever I can imagine. So Lord, I'm going to engage my faith today. God, I'm going to put into gear my faith. God, I'm going to begin to move forward with the, my faith. And faith is confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It's the assurance about things we cannot see. Many times throughout the Bible, when Jesus is performing miracles, he makes a statement such as this, because of your faith, it will happen. Or, it will happen just as you believed. Because you had faith that I would step in, because you believed that I could do this, it will come to pass. I ask you today, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe that God can meet your need financially, Physically, 
Do you believe that God can restore your family? Do you believe that God can heal your mom or your dad? Do you believe? You see, prayer requires faith. And the Bible says that the prayers of the righteous person are powerful and effective. Do I need to repeat it again? Do you have faith today that the prayers that you pray are powerful and effective. Do you believe? Do you have faith that God heals, hears your prayer? Do you have faith that he will take action? Well, some of you are sitting here, well, I'm not really sure what faith is, Pastor. Well, let's talk about faith. A couple of questions. Is faith believing that God can do it? No, that's not faith. That's fact. The fact of the matter is God is able to do all things and nothing is impossible with God, that God can meet your need. That's not faith. That's fact. Do you believe that God might do it? That's not faith. That's hope. I really hope that he comes through on this. I really hope that God will step in. Or, number three, faith is believing God will do it. It's not believing he can. It's not believing he might. It's believing that he will do it. That's faith. Believing that God will step in. Having confidence that God will make a way where it seems impossible. Remember, nothing is too difficult for God. In fact, because of the price that Jesus paid for you and you and you and for me, we can expect God to answer. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people make this statement, well, pastor, if God is still God, then, then why don't we see miracles like we used to? If God is still God, then why don't we have the same power that they did in the New Testament? Why aren't we seeing the dead rise and the lame walk and the blinded eyes opened? Why can't we at Thanksgiving dinner start with a small turkey and end it with 12 baskets left over? Well, that was a little far-fetched. I wonder, are we praying like they did? Do we have faith like they had? Are we truly dependent upon God like they were? The average American has five hours and 16 minutes of leisure every day, and we spend eight minutes in prayer. I would venture to say we're not connecting with God like they did. Well, you got quiet on me. No amens? No, that's right, Pastor. We have not because we ask not. I'm reminded of a story in the book of Mark, chapter 9. A great commotion was going on. A, a father brings his son to Jesus, and, and the guy's son was possessed by a demon. 
earlier that man had taken the boy to the disciples and asked the disciples to cast out the demon. The disciples weren't able to do so. And now he comes to Jesus. He says, can you step in? Your disciples couldn't do this. Can you cast out this demon? And you you can read the whole story in the book of Mark chapter 9 if you want. I'm not going to take the time to read it, but suffice it to say that Jesus spoke to the demon, and guess what? It left. Now the disciples, they approached Jesus a little later, and they said, what what just happened? We did what you did, and, and nothing happened. The demon hung out and stayed there. But you step in, you speak with authority into that demon and it leaves. What happened? And Jesus said this, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This kind can be driven out, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Was Jesus saying that in that moment the disciples needed to pray longer? That in that prayer, they didn't pray long enough, that they should have gotten a little louder, they should have shouted. Is that what Jesus was saying? I don't believe so. He wasn't referring simply to an isolated, once and done type of prayer. This would not establish the authority or the spiritual power or even the faith that was needed. See, Jesus was referring to a principle such as this, where there is little prayer, there is little faith. Where there is much prayer, there is much faith. We as Christians, we as believers, we must come back to the basics of our Christian faith. We must learn, as we used to say, We must press in until there's a breakthrough. Anybody remember that term? We must tarry in prayer. In other words, we must keep on, keep on, keep on praying and seeking and allowing that relationship to grow, allow that faith to begin to grow within our lives. Press in until there's a breakthrough. But now honestly, today... We're too quick to give up real soon. Well, I've got such and such coming up. You know, we're supposed to go over and meet so-and-so across town. I don't think I have time right now to press in. I'll do it later. Problem is, later never arrives. God desires for every single one of us to stay the course, to keep that line of communication open, to fight the good fight, to keep pressing in with our prayers, a lifestyle of commitment and connection with God. Over and over and over, Jesus demonstrated the need of a lifestyle of prayer. With our prayer, suddenly our desires, our motives, our faith, it comes in line with that of God. 
we suddenly desire what he desires. We want what he wants. Our faith begins to rise. God wants to bless your life today. God wants to bless his church today. But we must begin to be a people of prayer. Part of this process is having faith that God will meet the need. James chapter 1 verse 6 says this, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. We must not doubt. We must approach the throne room of God with expectancy. We must step into his presence believing that God will show up. Psalm 84 reminds us that no good thing will be withheld from those that do what is right. Are you praying the prayer of faith? Matthew 9, 29 says, according to your faith, be it done to you. We must understand that prayer is our spiritual support. I ask you again, do you believe it? If so, it's time to stop making prayer a last resort. Well, I guess all we can do now is pray. But we must begin to be a people of prayer. Some of you in the house today, some of you watching online today, you've got a huge need in you in your life you're needing a miracle from god maybe that's a miracle in your family in your relationship in your marriage maybe that's a miracle in your physical health maybe you're sick in body you need god to step in maybe that's a miracle in your job or in your finances i believe that god acts according to our prayer maybe you're lacking in your life right now because you have simply failed to ask. You simply failed to make that connection. I'm going to believe God with you, that God will step in. Why do we value prayer? Because through prayer, God moves in His church. But without prayer, we're simply attempting the impossible all by ourselves. We value prayer. Not mere chatter. Not rambling of noise. But we value prayer. Would you bow your heads with me today? Lord, I pray right now that you will speak in every heart and every life right now. Lord, that you will move us from just chatter to a people of prayer. Lord, help us to grab the challenge today. Lord, your desire is that we are a house of prayer. Lord, let us be that. Speak it to our hearts. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I... 
I need Jesus in my life. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to come in, to make me brand new. You don't have a relationship with him, but you'd like to today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you let me pray with you today? Yeah, there's one. Are there others in the house? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray a prayer, and I'd like for every one of us to repeat this prayer today. It's not a magical prayer. I say this many times. But the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins. He's faithful, he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all the wrong we've ever done. Would you pray with me today? Dear God, I ask right now that you will forgive me. I admit I've messed up. I made wrong choices. I'm tired of trying on my own. So today, I give you my life. Would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Help me to follow you every day of my life. I love you, God. And I give myself completely to you. Jesus' name I pray.